0: It
1: takes all. It's the thrill of one more kill, the last one to find we will never sacrifice their will? They'll never look back on the world closing in, beyond the attack. With their Victory, yeah. it's the
0: it's the it's Giants 31 Cardinals 28. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by Sea I'm your host Bobby Skinner here with my co-host Justin Penick and it's always great to have the first victory podcast of the season Justin it's even more thrilling when it comes off of being down 20-0 to zero at halftime. The Giants scored 31 points in five drivers at the end of the game. Probably could have scored 35 if they really wanted to. Justin, there's a lot that has to be cleaned up. They should have never been in this situation with the Cardinals, and I told myself I wouldn't be happy if the game was close, but damn it, I'm happy.
1: <sighs> that was something. Huh? <laughs> that, was, that was something, man. What an emotionally draining two weeks that we've had as as Giants fans man but this this is a historic win like this is a historic win let's let's forget the opponent and let's ignore everything else right now cuz there are some certain black clouds that are over this Giants team but for right now this Giants season alive and that's what matters that you're one and one and you're walking out against Arizona one and one and the way that they did win even though it's like you know if you were to tell me the final score before the game like 31-28. It's like, okay, I'm not really thrilled with that, but if you were going to tell us that we were going to complete one of the best comebacks in NFL history, this is the biggest comeback uh, in Giants franchise history. Uh, The first time the Giants have overcome a halftime deficit of 20 plus points to win since like October 30th, 1949. So that's like the pre-Super Bowl era. Um, Crazy, man. Crazy. And Daniel Jones did it. Saquon Barkley did it. Some of our super su- superstar players stepped up to the plate when they needed to. Historic good win for the Giants and the season's alive. And that's what matters right now. Good day. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, if, if they lose this game, it's season's panic. Old. And, hey, there's still issues, right? Like, and we'll get to it in, mostly when we talk about the defensive side of the ball. But they were – the Giants were at a 60-0 to 0 deficit at halftime for the season. Um now, the offense really turned it around, and I think this offense has enough talent to, you know, to compete, right? Like, I don't think they are what they were the first game in the first half of this game. Defensively, I, I have a lot of worries. Um, but, hey, I mean, it starts with Daniel Jones, right? I mean, the first half of the game, he's 11 of 18, 88 yards, you know, uh, one rushing yard. And then the second half, he's completing, uh, you know, he's 12 yards per attempt. Fifty-eight rushing yards. I mean, it was essentially perfect for for the most part.
1: In the second half today, Daniel Jones threw for two hundred and fifty plus yards, rushed for fifty plus yards, threw multiple touchdown passes, rushed for a touchdown, and had no turnovers. And this is according to Opta stats. No other QB in NFL history has done all of that in the second half of a game. Historic.
0: Historic. Because we got a historic quarterback. Um, let's t- let's just talk about Daniel Jones's performance and. I mean, that tells the story of this comeback uh, first. But first, I want to say this. This is the first victory of the Giants season. And after the Giants first victory, I always ask our loyal listeners to do something for us. Sure. Click, copy the link to this show and send it to a friend. Send it. Share the podcast. Talking Giants is truly a family. And hey, this might be your first time listening on your own. It is a family. So we win together, we lose together but it is a family. It's a show that we we like. It's a, a real community. So tell a friend about the podcast. Um, even you know, thank God we're doing this at one and one or zero and two because zero and two would be like, man, the family's the family's going to stay small. But let's let's grow the family. Let's win some games. You're going to have to catch up a little bit, but we're here. So sh- share the podcast with a friend.
1: Um, share it with. How about this too? I want to give a shout out because I or don't I even... will punish um, the family. Whoa. Anyways, don't punish the family. I want to give a shout out because I this is something that I'll definitely forget to bring up by the end of the show. Shout out to all the Giants fans that were in Arizona. That was really freaking cool. Like to just see that stadium be taken over in the in the second half and like third down and the stadium's loud. Uh, You know, third down for the Cardinals and the stadium's loud full of Giants fans. So like I really do think like getting the fans back into it did establish some momentum for the for the Giants so uh send it to a send this podcast to a Giants fan that you know was in Arizona and be like hey check these guys out love you appreciate everybody so yeah thank you seriously
0: it was like they were making a difference LPG and Danny were like on it like five different times yeah I love it Um, first half and second half with Daniel Jones like the numbers like match the eye test right now it wasn't like god awful from Daniel Jones but it sure as hell wasn't good in the first half I mean again 11 of 18 88 yards 4.8 yards per attempt second half 15 and 19 233 yards 12.2 yards per attempt almost you know more than double the yards per attempt the zero touchdown the one interception wasn't his fault then two touchdowns in the second half and then what I thought was a big difference is he was able to make a lot more plays with his legs and I even have that as a category in my notes he had eight carries for 58 yards and a touchdown in the second half um, and even got a touchdown taken off the board he had one rush for one yard in the first half I mean Justin on the first half it was bad on all sides but from the Daniel Jones point of view he misses Darius Slayton on a deep pass or under Darius Slayton on a deep pass and then, were, to me, what was worse than that, because that happens, was on a third down, Jalen Hyatt's open on a post. And this is like a throw. You throw to Jalen Hyatt, and he does not throw it, and they end up punting the ball. He wasn't able to create with his legs. There's other also uh, other contributing factors. Like, there's a third and four where Waller and Shep mess up the mesh. Uh, Saquon pops up an interception. But the second half, they start the second half with the deep post to Jalen Hyatt, right? They put Slayton and Waller where they attack the safety. But then cut it off, and because you know teams are trying to cut that stuff up uh, off underneath, and DJ throws it fifty-eight yard pass, and I think that really changed changed the game was taking that play.
1: Oh yeah, I mean that was your first play from scrimmage to start the second half, so one hundred percent. And you know I had some really dark thoughts the first half, and one of them actually was like. Looking at Daniel Jones' cap hit in 2024, be like, man, we are we really gonna be in this situation where he has this 47 million dollar cap hit? Um, you know, then that second half, you know, you have the ultimate dichotomy, dichotomy, like you said, and you know, one of the things that they were able to do, and one of the main things that they were able to do in the second half, is just be explosive. And what we saw last year, Bobby, with this Giants team having second half comebacks, nothing to the extent of scoring 31 points. And like 24 unanswered points um, that we, you know, nothing to that extent that we saw last year that we saw today. But be- they became one dimensional throwing the ball. And even in some of their comebacks last year, they weren't throwing the ball. They were mostly kind of running the ball. And it kind of became a little bit ass backwards. But um, Daniel Jones had four pass attempts of 20 plus yards, completed two of them for 89 yards. The most 20 plus yard attempts he took in a single game last year was. Three. So we were stretching the ball downfield. Um, we averaged nine point eight air yards per attempt, one point four more than any other game under Brian Dables so far. Jones averaged six point three air yards per attempt last season in Dable's first year. That was the lowest in the NFL. That's according to next gen. Um and then what was the explosive plays today as I looked that up? Bobby, do you have any thoughts? Well, no, the yeah the, the the
0: to the hyatt, right? I mean, those were the two deep passes he uh contributed. Now there's stuff underneath. Like and the Hyatt one, man, I really think it changed the way the Cardinals play, because the Cardinals are aggressive in their zone. They play zone, but they're aggressive. We talked about it on the preview pod. Um and like on that high that first Hyatt throw, you have Slayton and Waller on the other side of the field, have them tight towards the towards the formation, and they shade the safety to that side, right? And then it's like okay. Hyatt, go win with the post because we're going to occupy that safety with Hyatt and, or with Waller and Slayton because they're going to try and underneath that. And then they started getting into their play action from under center and getting chunk plays uh, to Waller, Slitin and Hyatt. But what they did is because, hey, now you got to respect as deep. But now they like to cover that middle of the field, right? That's where most of the chunk plays have come from. The Giants out of their play action. Well, the Giants started attacking the sideline out of those play actions. Whether it was Slayton stopping on deep curls, which I want to talk a little bit about drive by drive stuff. Uh, high or you know Waller, you know showing like an over crosser out and then popping it back outside, and then even the Hyatt, the other Hyatt play, where he got all the way across the fo- uh, off across the formation, but still was on the sideline. He goes and uh, catch. Uh, high points it but again just didn't have like defenders underneath stopping you from making those throws and the Giants really I thought really adjusted well in the second half to what they were getting defensively but it started with Hyatt creating some of the space underneath
1: oh yeah for sure Um, you mentioned play action and next gen stats put something out where Daniel Jones had more than two-thirds of his passing yards come off of play action 229 yards which is a career high. career high. He averaged 12.1 yards per attempt using play action compared to 5.1 yards per attempt without play action, which I find to be very interesting, Bobby, because that basically all came in the second half. All of the Giants offense came in the second half. And when you're down by 20 points when you're, you know, when you're losing by 21 points even at one point in the game, the Giants were running play action and I I don't know if it was like like quote unquote working like were were the cardinals still falling for it because you're I don't know if you're buying into the giants running when they have to be so one dimensional when they're down by multiple scores but at least what it did is I think it allowed Daniel Jones to set deep where you can get away from the pass rush, you can get away from a little bit of a weaker offensive line. They were using Daniel Bellinger a lot as like a, as like a pass blocker. He wasn't really going out and running routes, and it was allowing some of these deeper concepts to develop down the field, like Darius Slayton, like Darren Waller, um, like Jalen Hyatt. Um, and I have the explosive play numbers here too. There were no runs of 10-plus yards or passes of 15-plus yards in the first half. In the second half, there were four plays of twenty plus, 25-plus yards, six six pass plays of 15-plus yards, and five runs of 10-plus yards. Creating chunk plays got the Giants back in the game, and it won them the game. But what are your thoughts on that play-action stuff that I was talking about?
0: Well, it just allowed them to do some of their seven-man protections while also occupying linebackers because, you know, getting that under center. Um, play action and then letting guys get down the field, but even if they're not respecting the run like crazy, but the Cardinals were playing the run pretty well. It um, at least like your line, their linebackers had to, you know, key, you know, play their keys, and it allowed the stuff over the middle, and then corners were trying to, you know, chase it, and then they would pop it back outside. But in Hyatt, like we talked about, Hyatt just, you know, like oh, opening stuff underneath. Hyatt, man, he is a difference maker. Like they don't win this game if he's not on their team. Like, if Jalen Haidt's not on this roster, not drafted in the third round by the Giants, they probably don't win this game. And we could talk about him creating plays for others, but he made plays for himself. Yeah, I mean, he led the Giants in receiving this game with two catches. He's averaging 45 yards per catch. We talked about it. He's going to have, like, the... the Like, that was one of my bold predictions before the season. Like, Jalen has to be top five in the NFL in yards per catch. He's probably number one right now. We'll see if it stays at 45 freaking yards per catch. But he just... His speed, and we've, you know, coming out of Tennessee, Justin, we're like, how well does it translate? Because he still does have a lot to work on as a route runner and getting off the line in scrimmage. But like, so how what like, you can't just run past guys in the NFL. But yeah, no, Jalen Hyatt does <laughs> run past guys in the NFL. And we said it, like, you know, like, camp changed our p- point of view where it's like, this guy is going to get in the game and he's going to create a big place. He's just, it's just going to happen. Now, you yeah, had the Dallas game where you didn't get one, but – he is able to win deep so much that he is just going to create big plays, and then he's hopefully going to cl- continue to create big plays for other guys.
1: I'm watching the replay right now on that fifty yard, fifty eight yard pass. Not of the broadcast view of like, but it's like the the replay afterwards where it just follows Hyatt. He reached twenty point four eight miles per hour on that play. I still don't think he was running at full speed. Like I don't think he reached his his top gear. So that's awesome number one. And Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, we saw it in the first half of Darius Slayton. Like Daniel Jones still needs to get the timing right with some of these receivers where he doesn't miss these guys running deep down the field. Maybe that could have been a touchdown if it was thrown a little further. I don't want to nitpick that. And then even going up and high pointing that ball, that's not something that I was expecting Jalen Hyatt to to do and the fact that he did that the fact that he went up and he got that football comes down with the catch clean while draped on the def- defender was draped on him that was awesome and those two plays do completely change the game uh, you know one of the guy, I would say out of all the guys that maybe we're going to talk about today we don't win the game without Jalen Hyatt in those two big plays yeah and I also thought one of the biggest differences
0: in the second half to first from the first half was Daniel Jones legs like there was a like because he had all the passing numbers you don't they don't really pop out. But there was a lot of big plays that he made with his legs. I mean, there was a third and 12 in the third yes. uh, third quarter where he runs and he breaks down – like, the linebacker's got the angle on him and he breaks down that linebacker just enough to get that leverage and then, bam, shoot to the outside. You know, uh, uh, it wasn't – I think he might have either thrown it away or one-yard gain. But when Kayvon uh, Wallace comes in and blitzes in the red zone and DJ gives that little hop step instead of getting stumbling and tackling – That's a huge play. And then you have the third and goal at the nine to scramble and get the ball to Saquon to touchdown. Like that was just a, both of those guys, like one DJ using his legs to extend the play. But Saquon, like that linebacker was playing with inside leverage and was wanting to break outside with Saquon. So Saquon shows like he's going to work inside and that gets, and I've watched a lot of stuff about releases and stems on receiving this, this off season and that to me was beautiful where it's like he shows he's like hey I'm going to break inside because the linebacker already has inside leverage so he shouldn't be looking to fight for inside leverage but he still bites inside and then Saquon's able to pop back out DJ puts the ball on him then he reaches out puts the ball on the pie line touchdown Um, and then you know uh, the play before the Jalen Hyatt 31 yarder 28-21 it's a second and 11 and and DJ has a 15 yarder where you think he's going to go out of bounds he stays up the
1: sideline um, and then again, sets up that Jalen Hyatt 31 yarder. Great uh, block by Daniel Bellinger, by the way, on that 15 yard run. The block by Dan- it do- doesn't happen without Daniel Bellinger blocking downfield and opening some stuff up for DJ. So that was that was a that was a great job. Yeah. So I ju- I just thought you know we spent a lot of time
0: talking about Daniel Jones to start with this pod, but for again being a 60 to zero deficit and as bad as week one was and he didn't look great in the first half um now the first half was kind of one of those typical like damn it it's like just one or two little things goes wrong and it it screws the Giants right which has kind of been the issue with the Giants offense the last few years is like they kind of got to play perfect and they just weren't doing that right where and I want to talk about this there was some coaching stuff I did not love like that first drive of the game, they get the false start. They get the third and two. Good job, but Giants' offense. I'm surprised they don't get under center and hand that ball off to Saquon.
1: Yeah, they went like the first four plays were all out, all out of the shotgun,
0: and then fourth and two at the Cardinals' 47, and you
1: punt the ball away. Like that was very undable. Like um, they uh, that's that's just a not. I agree with you, but that's just like oh, I don't I don't trust anything we're doing right now. That's why I'm punting.
0: Yeah, and then there's, again, there was a third down that was messed up by Waller and Shep on the mesh point. And then yeah. Can I They're, can I even they're, say they're something driving, to- and they were going to make it. They might have made a 17-7 or 17-3. Saquon pops it up interception. They get a field goal 20-0. to Like That could have been the, like, if the Giants are down 17-7 at the half, and they end up winning anyways, but I'm like, the Giants are going to win this game. Down 20-0, I'm like, the Giants' season is over.
1: Yeah, dark thoughts in the first half. But I one of my main thoughts and takeaways from the first half, and I guess this is you know this was a first ta- you know first takeaway from like the first six quarters of the game. Everything just looked so slow developing on offense, like the running, especially everything like out of the shotgun. I'll say, RPOs extremely slow. Like Daniel Jones keeping that ball in Saquon Barkley's belly and you know just very it looked lackadaisical. the the time behind the line of scrimmage for Saquon Barkley when running out of the shotgun just seemed to be a lot but really particularly on those RPOs it just it just slowed everything down and there was a Darren Waller drop where he yeah he got hit hard but it's one of those things where it's like dude take Jones take the ball out of Barkley's belly and just get get rid of the ball why are we holding on to the ball for so long during these RPOs and of course the second half we You know, everything, the the pace picks up, everything picks up. I feel like the whole game they were running with pace and they were calling plays pretty, pretty rapidly. But that's what, that was one of my main thoughts in the first half. It's just everything was just so slow developing. And you're just giving the defense all the time in the world to recognize what's happening here.
0: Well, let's, you're, you're talking about differences of playing style in the first half and second half. And that's going to lead to. Well, Brian Dable was calling plays in the second half, so let's talk about that. Before we talk about that, Justin, I want to talk about Chris's coffee. Chris's yep. coffee—it's a family-run, local, New York-based coffee roaster and the leading importer of Italian-made espresso machines and service provider. I'm very happy that they are on this show because I really—I honestly felt bad for Chris after last week's game. I was like, "Oh, he didn't—he didn't want to pay for a 40 to zero loss." Ad read. No, he paid for a 20 point comeback ad reek and chris coffee is the best i'm going to be drinking it tomorrow morning i have to get up early you know we recap a giants win uh football today all that good stuff uh the coffee is from bean to brew baby meaning that they import their own beans in-house roast it pack it and ship it right to your ass roasting capacity at their brand new 64,000 square foot facility is now upwards of 2300 pounds of coffee per hour i might i might rent a room out of there Chris Coffee also sells coffee grinders, blenders, brewers, filters, teas, syrups, replacement parts, and everything you need to get your home espresso set up off the ground. In the beginning today, use the code JOMBOY at checkout to receive a free one ha- one-pound bag of our brand new giant Java coffee with any order fifty dollars plus free shipping. Discounts can't be combined with any other uh, offers. These guys are Giants fans. They got the giant Java. If you're in the market for an espresso machine, grinder, or just a great tasting coffee, talk to the espresso coffee experts at www.chriscoffee.com. That's Chris Coffee. Not Chris's coffee. ChrisCoffee.com. They've assembled a passionate, world-class sales team eager to help guide your espresso journey. You'll be glad you did. Come on. Pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast whoa ah. okay this is one of those annoying things where no one can really say definitively but people will say definitively brian Dable was asked if he was calling plays in the second half he denied it he said he wasn't didn't deny. he said he wasn't now he did bring up that he's like oh i hold a call sheet all the time and no one asked about the call sheet um he does But it was going around that David was calling plays in the second half, because I mean, anytime they did show him on the offense, he did kind of have like call a sheet in front of his mouth and was you know talking into it. Now that happens, I, I don't think it's impossible, right? Like it's hard to say for sure. And I'm actually I do want to go back and watch some of the. I, I can't decide if I want to be up till two a.m. going looking for every time that camera showed dable but i did see in the beginning like he does have a call sheet with him at all times it's not like he said give me a, a play call sheet and go lay but we did see him putting his mouth up. but there's always communication between the head coach and offensive coordinators and stuff like that so i don't know
1: but i also don't think it's impossible that he did at one point the camera was on him in the second half and he was very much like deliberately talking into his headset with the play call sheet up to his mouth and then the camera cut to Jones in the huddle and then it, bo- it looked like Jones was about to look to the sideline for something or for some reason, but then the camera cut away. So I, I don't know. I, I tried rewatching the second half and there was a bunch of things I was trying to rewatch rewatch for. And that was one of them to see if I could pick up any tendencies. I, I didn't, I didn't really, I'm actually, I have, I, I'm screen recording the entire game right now. Cause I want to try and do a video for JM football. So I'll keep an eye out for if I see in the first half, if he was doing anything different or if he was not talking to his headset so much in the first half, I don't know, Bobby. Um, It's going to be one of those things where I think we'll find out eventually whether it's true or whether it's not. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put too much like stress on if it happened or if it didn't, you know, because we've said for two years now, Bobby, that the script of plays are already basically decided. Like this is Brian Dable's offense. It's kind of Mike Kafka as play caller. Who's just, Pushing the buttons and calling which plays exactly when, right? So that's why I don't really like stress it too much.
0: Yeah. I will say last week, there was last week what they were calling was a lot different than what they did last year. Um, when I'm talking, speaking of the Dallas game, like what they were calling was a lot different. Today, we saw a lot of similar things to last, uh,
1: um, last season. So and even like, even thinking back to Dable and Buffalo, too, like think of how much play action that they ran. You know up there and yeah. that's what we saw in the second half is just play action to death play action to death regardless of whether you have a run game or not or regardless of whether the run is even a possibility when you're down by 21 points they were just doing it doing it doing it um you know when Waller was open Hyatt was open Slayton was open there were a bunch of guys that were open for it
0: so regardless if he did or not I even if he did I don't see it being like okay Dave taking off over play calls for the rest of the year. I, I think you would have to get... There would have to be more bad things to happen for them to get to that point. Um, other things on the offense. Say, I mean, Saquon, one, had that big run at the end. And then right? two
1: plays later gets hurt, which that sucks.
0: Yeah, so it's a sprained ankle. It looked like it. The Schefter reported that they don't think it's a high ankle sprain. But he... he I mean... Uh, a sprained ankle sometimes, like... You can adrenaline can take over for a little bit, but that was like right away. Saquon absolutely knew it. I mean, he's missing games, Justin. Um, and it'll be interesting to see. Not interesting, it's they're gonna have to work to... and they're playing some tough teams. I kind of hate they have to turn around and play Thursday. I just want to enjoy this win, um, because the 49ers are really freaking good, but yeah, obviously, he's a big loss. But you you posted, and I agree with you 100%, man. And hopefully. Do not force Saquon Barkley back because history has always shown that that's never a good idea for the Giants.
1: It's not a good idea for him. You know, just he—he's not—he's not a very good running back when playing injured and playing hurt. And this is this does has nothing to do with Saquon Barkley's toughness. In fact, it, no, it it's,
0: speaks more to his toughness.
1: It's a compliment. Like even t-
0: twenty nineteen, he came back from that sprained ankle way too early, but he didn't—he like, didn't look good coming off of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean even last year, the when Saquon Barkley was going through what was it? I think it's like a shoulder injury or something. Yeah, the shoulder. So, he just didn't look good and then as, you know, December comes around, he he starts to look better and they don't give him as much of a workload, but when they were giving him like, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 carries a game towards the middle part of last year and he was really going through with that shoulder, that's when Saquon Barkley was at his worst. He's he's not a player that performs well When he is hurt, but before, you know, before we even get to talk about that, we'll have time to, you know, we'll we'll wait for like the official injury designation. It was really cool to see that even in the second half, when the Giants were so throw heavy, so throw heavy, um, you know, hate the first half when he drops that, you know, when he, another, another interception goes, you know, goes through his hands. Three
0: interceptions this year. Two of them popped up out of Saquon's hands. Insane. Yeah. That was like the, are really like, this is really what's just going to happen. The Giants are going to be down again, zero points and two interceptions like this. Yeah.
1: But obviously, more than made up for it in the second half. And that that was a superhero run, where that that final drive of the game, the Giants are at a point where we're all right. We're, we're not throwing the ball like the, come on line. Like this is this is why you lift all them weights, Bill Parcells. This is this is what you want as an offensive lineman is to be in a situation that the Giants were in that last drive of the game where the Cardinals have three timeouts and all you need to do is get a couple first downs. Graham Gano's going to kick a field goal and you win the damn game. And, you know, offensive line, answer the call at times but that particular play where Saquon Barkley had that 15-yard run on that final drive that was a hero run he and i that we, was criticized a superstar him, run. we criticized him for not breaking tackles he broke like four tackles on that run four like two of them at the line of scrimmage two of them down the field 15-yard run puts the giants in great position to kick a field goal um you know and puts them in that optimal spot so that was some superstar shit by Saquon and absolutely sucks that two plays later on like a second a second and 13 twist his ankle up and man, that's kind of just like, that's kind of like the life of a running back, man. And it kind of sucks. And like, you know, we
0: mentioned him, you know, he had the touchdown uh, catch that he had, uh, you know, he had that one yard touchdown run too, but his gravitational pull created the, the Isaiah Hodgins touchdown. Go back and watch that. They motioned Saquon Barkley out. And part of me was like, oh no, because Saquon's not a great red zone route runner, especially when you line him out wide and not coming out of the backfield. I'm like, oh no. So the safety rotates, and because he was running those choice routes where you go outside or in, they bracket him, right? So they got one guy on both sides to stop Saquon. And that so that safety no longer has that middle of the field presence. Waller's up the seam on the opposite side. Hodgins, bam, plants that foot, post, DJ puts it on his ass, touchdown. Um, and Hodgins is getting really good at running those post route touchdowns. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing better. I'm telling you, I I like it more than D passes. Just banging in a post. Just banging in a post. Like, get that safety out of there. Fire that in there. Like, that was beautiful. And Hodges had some tough catches. Like, the first play of the game was a nice tough catch. Hit another one on the second drive where he got up the sideline. Um, and I know, like, Waller, like, Darren Waller in this game, like, we haven't even talked about him. He had six catches for 76 yards. Had some big catches over the middle. Um, Slayton had three catches for 62 yards. He could have had 90 more yards if DJ you know doesn't miss him on two throws um you know you have the two deep curls like one with Yak and then the uh, an underrated play in the game before uh that that Saquon run at the end of the game was a uh, Darius Slayton 18 yard pass runs a great route releases stacks the corner curls DJ puts it right
1: on him where the ball's on him as soon as he turns around yes yeah, so- as soon it. as he comes out of that break and this is credit to Darius Slayton where He even catches that ball out of bounds, and he's gotten a lot of flack, and he's gotten a lot of hate about his hands the last couple years. That play that you're referencing comes right out of his break, and is able to catch that ball. Great chemistry, great timing by quarterback and wide receiver there. But I mean that that's that's not an easy catch. You know that ball's there when you know the second you turn your head and you're not expecting the ball, you're expecting the ball. Whatever he locates it, catches it, and again another you know game difference making play right there.
0: Yeah, so, I, th- I mean, I thought all the receivers, or at least the the, the outside guys, did a, a fairly solo job. Yeah, Paris Campbell. Um, and then, uh, and then again, Waller. Waller was, you know, creating stuff over the middle. and You know, had a big catch on the sideline yeah. for 25 yards. That was nice, too. Hey, and guess what? We're 30 minutes into this pod, Justin, and we're going to talk about an offensive line that had Josh Azudu at left tackle, Marcus McKeithen at right guard, and Mark Lewinsky at left, ta- uh, left guard <laughs> at the end of the game. That's a, that, I think that's a success that we're 30 minutes in the pod and we're not talking about the offensive after we saw maybe one of the worst offensive line performances we've seen since covering the Giants for five the last 5 years. Um I got to go watch intently on the offensive line, but they they gave him enough time to, to make the, all those passing plays that we talked about, right? Like Azudu's feet look good. Um and with Azudu, like, the biggest thing with Azudu was, because, like, I didn't think Azudu would struggle down in, down out at left tackle, right, because he's got the foot speed. Um, he's got solid balance. My worry with Azudu was not j- the down in, down out, that he was going to have the one or two plays where you get that blindside Daniel Jones smack fumble type place. Those were the words, and we never we never saw that. You know, and obviously, DJ escaped through his right a lot. McKeith and I thought looked solid. Evan Neal wasn't horrible in pass protection, but penalty after penalty after penalty. I mean, he took two touchdowns off the board. Yeah. Like that, there was that that first one that put him in the third and goal, the nine, that was going to be a Saquon Barkley touchdown run. Like it was there. And then the Daniel Jones rushing touchdown, he gets a holding penalty. And again, I, I, I have to go watch more intently because Evan Neal could have been really bad, but at least it wasn't Dallas bad against these bad Cardinals pass rushers.
1: Yeah, I tried keeping my eye out for. The three of them: Neil, McKeithen, and Azudu. Still think Neil looks top heavy, man. He he just doesn't look like a strong football player. Oh yeah, he player. does.
0: He, he didn't he didn't go out there and look like an improved player. He just looked like again we've spe- after that week one we've lowered the bar for Neil. It's Like, can you hold up in protection against bad pass rushers? Which which sucks, I, but... I
1: guess he can, but against good pass rushers like we're going to be facing the next couple of weeks, no. I mean no. it's going it's going to be a problem. So. um i'm i'm intro hey this is crazy they're not gonna do this but if they're serious about competing for this year dude i'm i'm starting to think josh azudu may not be as much of a disaster at right tackle than evan Neal. i'm starting to think it
0: i got i gotta watch it more closely before i say anything like that um Azuda well, was
1: getting to his landmarks most sure, of the time. Sure, but I do time. have
0: I have memories of two thousand twenty and it's like, man, Matt Parrot looks pretty good out there. And yeah. once once you put out some film and it's it's just not the same. Uh, but I but Marcus McKeith and I'm I'm really excited to go watch him because obviously he has the size. He's not the most athletic guy, but he has size. And then Gawinski got put in a left guard. Um so we'll um, McKeith, I mean, the the film review this or the O line report this week will be a due at left tackle McKeith and right guard will be yeah. the primary focus of it.
1: Yeah, I thought McKeithen looked M- McKeith and Neal. There were at times where where they were moving people in, in the run game and side. and it and it was and it was really fun and you know there there were times where I thought you know there was maybe some guys that came in blitzing that McKeith didn't pick up but McKe- I think McKeith just like looked okay. And I think that's that's like my main takeaway from from his first game. That there were John Michael Schmitz. I'm interested to see you know when the O line report. I don't know if you're going to do a segment on him or you're going to talk about him all that much. But John Michael Schmitz, I thought looked really really good. And there were some times where I saw him pancaking dudes and getting in dudes' faces. So JMS is is really really fun. And ben, that was a scary Ben Bredesen play too. I I hope he's okay. We need him to be okay. Probably yeah. won't be okay for Thursday.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect him for Thursday. Mark Lewinsky continues not to give a shit. So. Also, now we have a trend of Andrew Thomas where he's a game-time decision and doesn't play. So next time that he's in a game-time decision, I'm just assuming he's not going to play.
1: Um, are, you know, are we ready to talk about the defense? Um, I want to give a shout-out to Daniel Bellinger. I mentioned on that 15-yard Daniel Jones run. That he was out there blocking. Um, I want to give myself a pat on the back. Because I mentioned in the mailbag that one of the adjustments that the Giants offense can make is leaving Daniel Bellinger in as a pass blocker. And I think the majority of the plays that he was in today. He was in for more than you would think. Don't think he had a catch, but I also don't know how many routes he actually ran because he was in there blocking. And it was mostly on the right side, helping out Evan Neal. So maybe Evan Neal's day does look, you know, and his line will look a lot better on PFF because he had Daniel Bellinger on that right side, helping him out, which is something the Giants offense just may need to live with and may need to do from now on. Um, uh, Paris Campbell and his role is going to be really interesting, especially as Wandell Robinson is possibly going to be coming back and, where does Jalen? Because Hi- you want Jalen Hyatt to go on the field more, so where does Jalen Hyatt fit into it? Are you gonna put Jalen Hyatt in the slot and just put him in motion at the snap? There was a lot of fun things the Giants were doing with motion at the snap today too, where the one of one of Slayton's big plays came where he was in motion at the snap. Hyatt's some of his big plays came when he was at motion at the snap. So the Giants were doing some fun stuff with motion at the snap, and Paris Campbell made some nice plays, but there were also some drops that he had and you know his role is going to be interesting in this in this wide receiver room um and that's 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 basically it daniel jones showing grit that was real and just him being fired up like that when he scored that touchdown that wasn't a touchdown bobby that rushing touchdown and he screams like that's a emotion that we don't really see a lot out of daniel jones but man it, it it just seemed like he he took it personally to will this giants team back and that was Really, really cool to see as a person and as a Giants fan who just roots for Daniel Jones, it was cool to see him show that emotion and wear his heart on that sleeve for a hot second. And then you told me before we recorded, he's calmed down enough during that post-game presser to talk about it like it's just an, a regular Tuesday afternoon presser. So that's why I love the guy. All right, we got to talk about this defense. Why don't you talk to us about something else? I'll talk to you about something else, Bobby Skinner. Miracle made. That's right. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? Oh boy, I knew it. Inspired by NASA, NASA Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Miracle Made nicely sent us some sheets, Bobby. I actually I gave it to my mom. I said, "Mom, I love here, them. Try it. Let me know how it is, and she tells me all the time." Justin, I love these sheets that you gave me. I'm never changing them. I'm watching them every week, but I'm never changing them. Never changing them because... It's self-cleaning and designed for your skin. These sheets are infused with silver that prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, which can clog your pores, allowing them to stay cleaner and fresh for three times longer than other sheets. So I guess she doesn't need to wash it every week. Luxurious, comfort, and quality Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands. Go to TryMiracle.com slash Giants to try Miracle-made sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, for your order today you could save over 40% and if you use our promo giants at checkout you'll get 3 free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their products it's backed by it's backed with a 30-day money back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied you'll get a full re- refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made Go to trymiracle.com/giants and use their code Giants to claim your free three-piece towel set to end save over forty percent. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash giants to treat yourself. Thank you to Miracle Mint for sponsoring this episode. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Hey, sure, you hope I never get back in. Now kicked
0: Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. The Giants' defense—they have zero sacks through two games. They have zero interceptions. Sure. This unit doesn't generate pass rush and has a crazy amount of miscommunications, a crazy amount of miscommunications. I mean, they can't deal with a rub route or a switch, uh, a switch release. Like this is the team when we were in training camp, right? And we're like, the Giants offense looks great. The Giants offense looked like it did today. And, but we finally had a point. It's like, okay, but can we have one day where the defense makes some plays? And they just, that day didn't come. And that's what this defense looks like, right? And I want to speak to the miscommunications before we talk about lack of pass rush and individual performance. There was five very, and there's probably more others, and there was some in the Dallas game too. McFadden and Adore had one of the worst I've ever seen, where they motion the tight end to one side, McFadden chases it. They run a slant flat. McFadden chases the flat into man. Adore just stays on the sideline picking up the flat, and it leaves the slant wide open. Um, then Adore, uh, goes, uh, with Banks, they get a, a, they get a, a completion on a slant on a first and goal where Adore is in the slot, Banks is on the outside and they run slant flat again. And Adore, for some reason out of nowhere is going to undercut it and takes it over the top and then picks Deontay, like he picks Deontay Banks and it leads to a slant. The rubber out for a touchdown to Holly Burtwood Brown. Adore got, got caught on that. Like uh, the, the Adore thing, we talked about Adore being in a slot. How does it work? It's kind of had more of a negative impact on Adore than anyone else. uh not hey, slot corner. Deontay <laughs> Banks and Bobby O'Karake. They had that switch release on the tight ends. They didn't know which way to go. They get a first down. And then the one that they didn't convert on. Uh, and they're lucky because this could have changed This could have changed the game. That first drive of the game where they ended up missing a field goal. They almost had a touchdown to Zach Ertz, right? Yep. Why was Zach Ertz so wide open? They ran post wheel. The Giants were in cover four. Banks should have stayed on the sideline. He chases the post, and it leaves it wide open. Like when you're drawing up on the board, that's what you're hoping. It's like, hey, we want to trick this outside corner, and that's what they did. And I'm sure when i go back and watch all 22 though there's going to be some more if there was that many that were like playing on broadcast view like there was a crazy amount of miscommunication like this defense like that that's got to get coached up and figured out because it's it is really bad and that's going to happen when you have young guys on the outside and stuff but a lot of it was involving a and maybe a is the one that's right and everyone else is wrong but st- damn it was it was blatant how many times that they, that happened
1: yeah, it was it was really disappointing because after Dallas, where I thought the defense didn't necessarily play horrible, we didn't really get a chance to see Dallas run like a legit offense because they basically were up sixteen to nothing as soon as you blinked. And the one and they had like a red zone stand too stand against Dallas. So I was like, all right, I'm excited to see this defense hopefully dominate. Uh, you know, in, in more of a game neutral situation, and man, they they just didn't, and I'm even looking at Josh Dobbs's uh, spray chart right now. One, two, three, four, five pass attempts behind the line of scrimmage. There were some other ones near the line of scrimmage, but like th- this is a game where I was expecting screens to be thrown galore. Because what happened to the Wink Martindale defense that dictates the terms of the game? I was asking. We were both asking that in the first half, Bobby. Why are we? Playing so lackadaisical and allowing the Cardinals to do whatever they want and dictate the terms of this di- dictate the terms of the game. Oh yeah, that was thought, the major frustrating point of the first half.
0: We thought this was going to be a Wink Martindale comes in and and just destroys this this quarterback who's not meant to be out there. And I mean, on th- there was like third and seven when it was zero zero, and Wink just rushes forward and drops in the quarters coverage. Like, they allowed Dobbs to stay in rhythm, and the pass rush was non-existent outside of Dex, too, which is, like, it'd be one thing if you're doing that and your front four is getting there, but the front four wasn't getting there outside of Dex. And they just did not, like, pressure breaks pipes, and it was, Wink Martindale was not calling a defense like he was Wink Martindale. It was just kind of sitting back, playing zone, you know, if it was man coverage, we're rushing four, and we're maybe dropping Cave on to throw a little different look at them. Um, But... Yeah, I mean like again you let, you allowed Josh Dobbs to just stay on schedule consistently. Nick and anytime you did put a little heat on him, he folded. Yeah. Right? Which was, wasn't very often, but when anytime you did put heat on him, he folded. And I was just I was waiting for it. I was like waiting for it just like, "Hey, let's let's bring the heat on this dude and and let's force a bad play cuz every time he got under pressure, he he had issues."
1: Yeah. Which is what you want to do against bad quarterbacks and Josh Dobbs is not a good quarterback. Made him look like a good quarterback, and there's going to be Cardinals fans that are going to be coming away from this game being like, all right, are we going to be able to survive at quarterback with Josh Dobbs? And that's really unfortunate that Giants fans are allowing Cardinals fans to have that conversation. It, it really is unfortunate. There was one, like, first and ten or – set. It, fir- it was a first and ten in the first half where Wink Martindale just kind of sent guys, and Micah McFadden got, like, a low hit on Josh Dobbs, forcing incompletion. And it's like, yeah, yeah, like, let's – Let's do that. Like, let's do more of that. Why Why are we allowing a bad offense to dictate the terms of this game? And I even wanted them to press more, like, because when you're playing so far back and you're, you know, you're leaving so much separation from wide receiver to corner, you know, it's allowing those little slants to happen, you know, with Hollywood Brown over the middle of the field and, you know, not even playing up on Zach Ertz. And, you know, I think it was McKinney that was, like, sometimes responsible for Zach Ertz, and he was just always – wide open down the field. But then when we would press, Bobby, we need to figure out how to, how to beat these pick plays. Like just getting picked and, you know, that's how guys are able to create separation there whenever we are playing press. It's two weeks in a row where teams have been able to run kind of like these pick plays on us and it just leads to big plays. It's not good, man. And we haven't even talked about the run defense yet. Well, yeah, and the run well let's finish with the pass rush like yeah
0: this is maybe hopefully i hope i well i do hope but Kayvon, where are you leonard williams wait like where are you two leonard williams stinks this year he's not good and they're not playing them like like they played fifty six. Dex and Leo played fifty six of the snap percent of the snaps together. Dex played seventy three percent total. Leo only played sixty percent. They also like the first two touchdowns of the game. They weren't on the field. Like why is Dex and Leo not on the field on a goal line run? And then the second touchdown was the Josh Dobbs uh, rushing which is like, oh, you're not going to blame it not being on Dex and Leo on the field. But at the same time, it was coming out of the first quarter, and then they come back from the first quarter, and then Dable challenges it. So you have all that rest. Like, I understand why they give these guys a breather, but I felt like, hey, they, they probably are pretty fresh right here. And they end up scoring a touchdown on that. And maybe a Dex pressure or whatever makes a difference on allowing that touchdown or not. But, I uh, mean, I'm going to in my film review uh, this Not in the film review, but in my study this week, I'm going to be like, I'm going to have a, hey, watch speed, speed run, watch every cave on snap and see what the hell happened here.
1: Well, I mean, you know, even the interior defensive line rotation, it was one of the more confusing things that I've seen this coaching staff do. You mentioned the snaps that Dex and Leo played. They played 56% of the total snaps together. This is from Doug Analytics, by the way. Um and then A. Robinson and, and Nacho they played seventeen percent of the snaps together, eleven out of the sixty three. And then plus you had D. J. Davidson out there. I really hope Jordan Riley was not a healthy scratch to give D. J. Davidson this run that he doesn't deserve. I, there, there has there there had to be an injury. Like I'm I'm telling this to DJ myself. D. J.
0: Davidson homecoming to Arizona
1: <laughs> because. He, why are we relying on DJ Davidson playing significant snaps in the first half when you have four interior defensive linemen in front of him, all getting substantial money ahead of him on the depth chart? Why is that happening? Why?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't get
1: it. And using three 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 defensive linemen formations because they have to, you know, number one, the Cardinals are a very run heavy team which is fine. Use those three defense alignment formations. And then you also you have Aziz Ojalari, who's, who's out. So that's why you're going to rely on those three defense alignment formations. A lot of Jihad Ward, Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, he's your workhorse edge, right? So you're going to rely on those three defense alignment formations, but just playing DJ Davidson and being so bad against the run while playing those three defense alignment formations. When I think that besides getting explosive on offense, Bobby, the most attention that this front office gave like in, in terms of trying to improve an area of a team, it was stopping the run. Well, let's Bobby O'Karake Bobby and the interior defense alignment that they added. Well, let's talk about the run defense. James Conner had
0: 23 uh, carries for 106 yards and a touchdown. There's a bunch of different factors. I mean, one, James Conner was able to break tackles and bounce. I, I saw people praising Michael McFadden, and I, what, what game were you watching? I mean, Mike McFadden missed multiple tackles. Multiple tackles. And I saw him get blown up in the run game a couple times. Um, that was fr- – and Okereke. O'Karake in the first half was getting beat in the run really game. Really bad. The, the fourth – like the end of the third, start of the fourth, all of a sudden O'Karake started playing with his hair on fire and was blowing stuff up and making plays. Yeah, But really it also got defensive pass interference, which it was like, what are you doing? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> What's the plan yeah. there? I mean, basically the only good run defense was Dex making a play here or there. And then Jason Pinnock had three tackles for a loss off the edge. Um and also, I thought the corners were fit in the run very bad. Like, Banks had multiple times where it's not going to be no seen, but it's like Banks, and it's not going to be remembered because he's an outside corner, but, like, Banks was just getting blocked up or not filling up, uh, filling in the hole where he's supposed to, and I thought Dory missed a couple on that. But, yeah, that was I, – so I did the, the, um, the pregame Q&A live stream uh, this morning, and someone asked me a question was, like, what is something – like, what's a – Something that could, if it disappoint, like that could disappoint, that would be really troublesome. And I was like, well, besides the right side of the offensive line, because that's obviously bad. It'd be like, if the Cardinals, the Cardinals, James Connors is a good back, but if the Cardinals shouldn't be a team that is able just to run on the Giants. And that's nope. what they did. They just were able to run on the Giants. And if Michael McFadden makes those plays, maybe it looks a lot worse, but they did not make those plays. Um, and it again, they were able to again stay on schedule like the cardinals offense until the fourth quarter was able to stay on schedule
1: and you have the San Francisco 49ers next next Thursday we need some we need some
0: fluky stuff i need i need some i need like some i don't care if it's the biggest fluke in the world i i, I need i need a, I they need
1: shouldn't something. they shouldn't throw the ball
0: yeah they shouldn't. Well, no, they should because they were able – I mean, the Giants' pass defense hasn't been great. Here, you want to know something? The Giants helped the defense out a lot towards the end of the game, and you usually don't say this when you're on the side of it. Penalties. Penalties yep. were helping the Giants out a lot. Like that block in the back on oh, the play. Oh, save the game. Uh, there was a lot of false starts and stuff. Like, And there was a couple of – like. Adore now, Adore. I don't think had pass interference, but Adore's reaction to that pass interference call because Adore flipped, Adore flipped and walked straight towards the referee. Like seriously, if he doesn't have that reaction, he doesn't pick that flag up. Oh no, that was like, oh maybe I did screw that up. I was a little too uh, heavy, and I don't think it was a pass interference anyway. So good job, but um, they get they got some help from there. They I mean, do, do you have anything else, Justin? But yeah, again, it's um, just no pass rush and miscommunications and then not stopping the run. Like that's there's still worries about this offense, right? Like defense. But the defense is the oh. main is the main like the Cardinals just put 28 points on you. And it wasn't by like a play here or there. Like they kind of moved the ball consistently to, until the end of the game.
1: No, there's there's worries about everything.
0: Yeah, but the defense
1: more so than anything. Yeah, no one hundred percent. I will say Dexter Lawrence just took over in the second half, was just making run stop after run stop and pressure after pressure. Um, really cool to just see him take over that game in the second half. Bobby Okereke really did have a good second half after having a very rough first half. So that that was that was cool to see. Um, I thought Isaiah Simmons played well third down I think, tackle machine and I think the the biggest area that he made his impact was being a good tackler in the open field where the Giants did have a lot of trouble just tackling guys today in general I will say he tackles very like well th- thankfully he had the sideline as his friend
0: if he was in the open field I might have been a little worried he doesn't tackle he just kind of like runs into guys with his forearms
1: yeah
0: yeah but thank like but I yeah, so if he was in the open field, like maybe some of the missed tackle issues that he's shown over the years would have showed up. But thankfully, it was toward the sidelines because if it was in the yeah. middle of the field, it's like, man, this guy's this guy's tackling form is is god awful. He like doesn't bend his knees at all, and he just kind of like throws his
1: forearms into them. Seems like Trey Hawkins had a good game.
0: Yeah, thankfully, thankfully he dropped that interception, but that was really nice to see that, and, and he tracked that ball really well too. He just didn't yeah. didn't catch it. Um, yeah, I thought Hawkins had a better game than Banks. Um, but at least Banks didn't have like the big play gave up. But there was a couple catches I thought he allowed, and then a couple mistakes, mental yeah. mistakes. All right, Justin, that's an episode. Make sure that you told your freaking friends about this. Or I'm gonna be pissed off. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be big time poed. Uh, but we'll have an offensive line report out, film review. Um and then no mailbag this week because we played Thursday night. We're going to be live Wednesday around like 6:30 or so for the preview pod and then we'll recap another Janice victory as they go 2-1 Friday morning. So uh, we Can appreciate You imagine I kind of need it. I kind of need it because it's it's like I want this I want this feel I can't let this feeling go. I can't I can't I can't go from this feeling to getting your asked by the 49ers in a 4-day period. Like if I it know. was a Sunday game It'd be a little... I I would need to win less if it was a Sunday game, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I still can't believe that this... All right, show's over. I still can't believe that this happened. I was in a really, really dark... Pl- like, I, I actually didn't react to us winning the game until about five minutes after the game because I didn't want to get so invested where I would get hurt if we lost the game
0: I knew we were winning the game once we got it to 20 you you said you knew (laughs) I had confidence all right that's an episode we'll see you Wednesday we'll see you guys Wednesday we appreciate you make sure again tell your friend or I'll take care just don't trust me if you don't tell a friend I'm gonna we're gonna have issues Uh, appreciate you guys we'll see you then until then let's go big blue